0: sacramentalist, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts. I'm Father Wesley Walker.
1: And I'm Father Clayton McElveen.
0: And today we are back after a somewhat extended Easter break with another one of our short episodes. These episodes have been where we take an issue in sort of a bite-sized portion and, and, and talk about it. So today we are discussing the topic of purgatory. Now we have done, back in the day, A longer episode on purgatory, it's episode 51, if anyone wants to scroll back through our vast, vast catalog of of episodes. But I think it would be helpful to revisit this issue in shorter form. And so today we're going to consider kind of three subtopics about purgatory, its history, its logic, and its comfort. So I think the first question, whenever you bring up purgatory with people, and Father Creighton, maybe you've heard this before too. The first question people will ask if you say something about it is, "Isn't purgatory a new or late Roman Catholic invention?"
1: Yeah, I've gotten that question quite a quite a few times. Uh, it's always funny because it's usually not. It's not uh, coming from a, a place of charity or sort of curiosity it's it's usually polemical um but hopefully today's uh short es- episode will uh will help um people to you know have a better understanding of what purgatory is um i think you know when when most people think of purgatory maybe because of popular culture or books or whatever um they sort of think of it as you know the the Bud light of 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 hell right it's hell light
0: that's true. It's like, and I mean, some of this, I mean, you know, they think, I think uh, it looks very similar to like how you might think the Inferno looks in Dante or something. It's like Purgatory is just sort of one step removed from that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I even think that Dante's Inferno, while a fantastic piece of, you know, classic literature that, I, that everyone should read, um, I think because people aren't familiar with, purgatorio and the paradiso they sort of forget that there's something in between they 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 seem to say well there's a bunch of layers to hell so purgatory must be some you know like the nicer layer of hell um and and they have a kind of surface level understanding of you know that text specifically but then how that's impacted again pop culture and you know movies and tv and things like that
0: And we should say, too, I mean, in the history of the church, purgatory is one of those things that has developed throughout history, though, I mean, most of our doctrines have in some some form or fashion. But I don't think the idea itself is new, nor is it uniquely Roman Catholic. In fact, we actually have a pretty solid patristic argument for something like purgatory early on, right? I mean, the first evidence for it actually predates Christianity. Um, it has to has to do with the prayers for the departed, you know, all the way back in 2nd Maccabees 1245, Judah Maccabee made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sin. I mean, I think this assumes that there's something going on after death where people can benefit from the atonement and the prayers made by those of us who are here on earth. And so it seems very natural that Christians would, at a very early stage, adopt prayers for the dead in the liturgy as well as picking up on, on some of these emphases. Yeah. I,
1: You know, development is not the same thing as invention, right? You know, we develop, we, we clarify and we gain language and understanding to talk about a particular thing. And, and you see this, Um, repeatedly in uh, the patristic fathers and 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 mothers of the church and their writings and the way they approach uh, theology in general you know it would be silly to assess the christology of uh, saint justin martyr by later christological definitions or understandings because he's 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 working it out to that point um so we see you know Individuals like St. Irenaeus, and Origen, Tertullian, St. Cyprian, St. John Chrysostom, uh, St. Augustine, all speak about uh, post-mortem purification. Uh, but that doesn't mean that their descriptions are always necessarily the same. They do differ. They, they approach things uh, from, from sort of different perspectives. Uh, but they're all trying to deal with and, and uh, articulate theologically that some form of purification uh, continues after we uh, after we die. and and so I think, you know, we have to we have to be able to grapple with this particular idea and not just toss it in the dustbin of history and say that it's it's some new invention or something like that, because it really isn't.
0: Right. And I mean, you can find plenty of patristic witness now i think we have to be careful here because it's very easy to do what like a fundamentalist does with scripture where we say well the scriptures say x right and we kind of over uh, we flatten out any kind of nuance you know or differences or whatever um but there is a patristic witness for the idea of post-mortem purification right so irenaeus Origen, tertullian cyprian chrysostom and augustine all describe something about postmortem purification even while their individual descriptions and explanations of this might differ from each other so we're not saying everybody has the exact same view and it looks like you know medieval Catholicism in the west or something like that but there is this idea that people die and they need some sort of purification after their deaths in order to reach the beatific vision what that looks like might differ father to father but that can be said about many issues especially early on in the in the church
1: yeah um, and you know uh, someone like say Gregory the Great would be a important historical hinge in the unfolding of that particular doctrine Um, in his dialogues he says each one will be presented to the judge exactly as he was when he departed this life yet there must be a cleansing fire before judgment because of some minor faults that they that may may remain to be purged away does not christ the truth say that if anyone blasphemes against the holy spirit he shall not be forgiven either in this world or in the world to come uh, which is itself a, a quote from matthew 12.
0: right and his point there being if the scriptures say in this life or in the life to come a sin can't be forgiven then it means that there are sins that can be forgiven in in the life to come and of course, the, the 12th century sees another development in terms of purgatory. Peter the Lombard um, really pushed the, the doctrine forward because he started, I think, conceiving of purgatory, or at least he he articulates a, a vision of purgatory where it is a, a specific place. And then, of course, Thomas Aquinas contributed further to unfolding that doctrine a little bit more in the appendix of the Summa. Um, he says, if the debt of punishment is not paid in full after the stain of sin has been washed away by contrition, nor again are venial sins always removed when mortal sins are remitted, and if justice demands that sin be set in order by due punishment, it follows that one who, after contrition for his fault and after being absolved, dies before making due satisfaction, is punished after this life. And I do think you see that maybe in the in the like later medieval period. Purgatory is a little bit more about judgment and satisfaction. Um, maybe more modern, um, modern articulations of purgatory, especially from the Roman Catholics, tend to emphasize um, uh, development and holiness, progress and holiness, as maybe more of the emphasis on this particular topic. So I think it might it might help to ask the question. You know, we, we see a patristic witness here. We see a medieval witness for it. Does purgatory makes sense? What is kind of the undergirding logic of purgatory? And I think it really relies on the fact that salvation is a process. You know, many of us think of salvation, at least many Western Christians who maybe were raised in, in more Protestant traditions, we think of salvation as an event. You know, um, I was baptized or I asked Jesus into my heart. And that's certainly true in a sense, but there's also a, a, a progressive element to our salvation right um, it's a it is a it is a dimmer switch not an on off switch
1: yeah and and you know whether or not we put a word to it like in the west we may use the word like deification uh, the east may use uh, the the word theosis um, I, either way you know uh, we're, we're sort of using that sort of Pauline language of conversion we're using that Pauline language of progress towards uh, the life that God has for us. So I think it I think it makes sense uh, within that context um, to understand it as as something progressive uh, that we move towards. And we experientially know that this is true. Uh, so Father, if you died today, do you think you'd be ready to see the beatific vision? Is that something you're ready for right now?
0: Absolutely, 100%. No, I would not be ready for that if I died today.
1: Yeah, and and you know uh, the same. Um, and so there's there's the sense that you know uh, we we progress towards our per, our perfection and our uh, the goodness that God has for us, uh, and you know we do that in this life, right? I mean, the the goal is that when we depart this life, we're departing it in a state where we have hopefully been purging away um, attachments to sin and uh, vices and things like that. Um, But that's, that's, there's, there's still a lot to it, right? You know, very, 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 very few of us are going to depart this life fully free of detachment to sin. And, um, and, and vice. And and the people that really do that, that we notice and recognize are the ones that we celebrate on uh, our calendar, right? Those are the saints that the church knows and uh, uses as an example.
0: And I think too, there's a there's a negative and positive aspect to this. I mean, the negative is, you know, we have these attachments to vice we need to purge. There's also the attainment of virtue, you know, so even if I had purged a good chunk of my vices, I still don't think I would be where I am in a positive sense in terms of embracing the virtues that are set forward. Um, also, I, I mean, I think all of this, so experientially, we know this is true, right? I mean, if, if somebody answers the question, you know, are you ready to, for the beatific vision with a yes, then I would like to speak with them. Please shoot us an email at the <laughs> because I would like to know what you're doing um, in order to feel that way. But, um, Scripturally, I think we know this is true. I mean, Saint Paul says as much in First Corinthians three fifteen: "If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." And we get this idea of God's presence as a as a as a cleansing fire. You know, it's the refiner's fire, the fuller soap, um, you know, cleansing us of of stain and 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 purifying our impurities. And so, uh, so certainly, um, this process continues uh, even past our deaths, I think, Um, ultimately ending, terminating with the beatific vision, um, which the scriptures tell us, you know, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Um, and you know, we can think of Moses in Exodus, he asks to see God, God's glory, and God told him, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live which I don't think is the ideal. I think God is is merely making a, a, a normative statement about where humans who are living on earth at that time are.
1: Yeah, and, and we can't assume that there's uh, uh, like this sort of strict dichotomy either, right? Because I, I think we often, again, through sort of pop culture and, and pop theology, think of the... Um, You know, we live this life and then we die and then we either go straight to heaven or straight to hell. And the problem is that is not the sort of scriptural um, understanding. That is not the patristic witness. Uh, It's certainly not the understanding that you see uh, in sort of ancient Judaism, for instance. and so if we assume that there is either immediate heaven, and immediate hell, uh, then this, this wouldn't make sense, but that's an importation into Christianity. Um, and so what happens, right? If we die, our perfection comes when you know we are experiencing the beatific vision in the fullness of... In the consummation of all things, and in, in in the resurrection unto eternal life, um, but there's some experience of being between when I die in this world and when that happens, uh, and that progressive experience, that that refining, purifying experience, is what we would normatively call purgatory. Um, and so I think, I think those scriptural evidence, you know. Witnesses there show us that ultimately God has a good in store for us. And which, sh- you know, we need to wash our hands and put on a nice suit and comb our hair before we experience it.
0: Yes. Yes. And so that means that the Christian life then is is lived kind of in this twofold movement or this twofold rhythm of purgation of vice, acquisition of virtue. Um, many Protestants call this sanctification uh, Catholics might speak of it in terms of an increase in our justification. I, both terms are kind of laden with some baggage, but, but we might just say the word theosis, right? Becoming more like God. Um, whatever language we use, I think the, the point is that we actually grow in righteousness with the goal of becoming pure in heart. And so that actually means Contrary to some popular belief, I don't know if you've ever, I mean some of that polemical response about purgatory that we we talked about earlier, I think is motivated by kind of anxiety. Um I think a lot of people perceive purgatory as a kind of anxiety inducing doctrine. Um in fact I've I've met people who who very much feel that way, like maybe purgatory is some sort of test they won't pass. Right. And you you hear that all over the place, but you know that's
1: nothing you know nothing further could be true uh, purgatory itself is a, it's a it's a pastoral reality um it's a reminder that you know he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of jesus christ right this is essentially pastoral right um
0: the know, shepherd I, and
1: bishop of our souls exactly exactly right um if it, it, it's not something that should induce anxiety It should something, it's actually something you should bring comfort, right? Because um, that which makes me up that is not faith, hope, and love, that is not virtue, goodness, and holiness, is going to be purged away through God's action, right? His presence and his gift of grace is going to prepare me to encounter him face to face. He wants us to be in his presence, right? He wants us to encounter him face to face, but he also cares for us. And he, he knows that uh, we, until we are purified, cannot experience him. And so this, this is, you know, it's so deeply pastoral. <laughs> I try to remind people that no one who experiences purgatory will be prohibited from the beatific vision. Right, you're not gonna you're not gonna fail the test. It's a comfort because we know that at the end of our purification, we will see God. No one who goes to uh, purgatory doesn't make it to heaven. And I think that's that's something that we need to remind people of.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely, and and also that I think reconfigures how we view what it is in the sense that we. We don't see purgatory as God needlessly or cruelly inflicting punishment on us. He's not a big kid with a with a magnifying glass. Um, it's a it's a good way for him to bring us to where we need to be in order to become what we we were created to be. Right. So, I mean, it's like going to the doctor. You know, you go to the doctor with a with an out-of-joint bone and he has to pop it back into place. But that pain that you experience, which will probably be pretty severe is for your own good. Um, I mean, the same is true when I punish my children, right? When any parent, well, any good parent punishes their children, it's not from a place of anger. It's not from a place of retribution. It's from a place of, I know what you can be. You haven't met that expectation because of some sort of flaw, vice, whatever. And so I'm doing this punishment as a way of freeing you from that vice. Now, of course, the child doesn't always see it that way. Um, hopefully one day my boys will listen to this and realize <laughs> why we do what we do. Right. But, um, but yeah, the idea is it's for our good. It's for our good.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, culturally we are pain averse. We are suffering averse. We are purification averse. Um, and so this sort of idea may not sort of strike us as, Consonant because we're not used to this right um we're not used to the idea that you know there there's a sense in which one suffers for one's good um christ tells the christian get ready you're going to suffer the way i suffered Uh, suffering has to be part of our theology and it's not meaningless suffering it's not punitive suffering it's not retribution. It's for ultimately perfection. Uh, it's for it's for good. You know this is this is something key to the Christian life that doesn't stop after this life. Um, and that's you know uh, you th- think of you know, the cheesy you know gym posters like pain is gain. But like we you you have to kind of do that, right? We put our body through stress, strain and purification. We eat well, we go to the gym. We do all these things. We have to strain the muscle to make it stronger. Yep. Ascesis is a good thing for us. And so a little bit of suffering, much benefit.
0: <laughs> I think I think if I remember correctly in episode fifty one, our longer episode on Purgatory, we came up with the catchphrase, purgatory burns so good. Um, and we talked about maybe making t-shirts or coffee mugs with that on it or something. Maybe we should (laughs) revisit that because I think it is true. You know, uh, it is, it is a good kind of pain. Not all pain is bad. You know, I went to the gym this morning, I'm sore, but it's a good kind of sore, you know? Um, and so, especially once you get used to it, you know, I mean, when you, the first time you go back to the gym or the first time you run or bike or whatever, after you haven't for a while, it usually, uh, is really not fun, but once you get in the habit of it, you kind of expect it and you actually you kind of enjoy it because you know this is me getting better or this is me getting healthier or this is me uh getting stronger um and so uh so yeah so i think actually the catechism of the catholic church is actually has a really good portion on purgatory and specifically how it defines it i really appreciate it says purgatory is the state of those who die in god's friendship assured of their eternal salvation but who still have need of purification to enter into the happiness of heaven. And so whatever that purification in the afterlife looks like, you know, maybe it doesn't look quite as fiery as some of the medieval uh, scholastics thought it would, but whatever it looks like, it's designed for our good, for our benefit, to bring us to where we need to be in order to enjoy God's presence forever. And so no one who experiences purgatory is prohibited from the beatific vision um yeah it's actually a promise that at the end of that purification we will see god we'll know as we have been known so listeners watchers uh you know pray for your humble podcast hosts that we yep. will make it to purgatory. <laughs> that's right that's right yes and hopefully with not too many millions of years right <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly well Well, thank you. Well, listeners, we appreciate you as always. Uh, You can reach out to us on email, thesacramentalist at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, Please rate, review, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Like and subscribe here on YouTube down at the bottom of the page. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you for our next episode.